Welcome to Crop Watch Podcast, a production of Nebraska Extension. Welcome to the Crop Watch Podcast. I'm Michael Sindelari, Cropping Systems Extension Educator. For today's Crop Watch Podcast, we'll be talking about early season insects in corn and soybeans. Today, I'll be joined by Dr. Robert Wright, who is an entomology specialist for the University of Nebraska. Dr. Wright, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, good morning, Mike. Uh, yes, I have, I'm a professor of entomology at UNL, and I have a joint research and extension appointment. I do a lot of research on corn and soybean insects, uh, historically mostly in eastern half of the state is where I've done most of my work. So I've, I guess I've been in Nebraska for over 30 years, so I've seen a lot of different uh, situations come and go. <laughs> Well, the first question that's on my mind, Dr. Wright, is why should I even be checking for early insect issues with all these nice traits that I can stack in corn? Well, the issue, yeah, there are there are some traits that can help with early season insects, but they don't they don't all the current traits even the uh, insecticide seed treatments or insecticide. Uh, planting time treatments don't control all insects and there's always the potential of high populations of insects that could overcome even the best uh, products. So it's always a good idea to check your corn and soybean fields as the crop emerges to assess stand, uh, see if it's going to be adequate. If there is something damaging the plants, try to identify what it is and make a decision how to respond to that. So as corn is emerging right now, what I would be out in the field looking for is as I look at my stand, I would be looking for areas that have skips or have um, whole swaths missing or what would I be looking for in the field right now? Yeah, that'd be two things would be if there's a, a gap in, in the plants. And in that case, you'd probably want to dig around and see if you could find the seed or the uh, germinated seed and see either it didn't, didn't germinate at all or it uh, potentially could be uh, killed by a disease. It could be killed by an insect like a wireworm or a seed corn maggot. And uh, so that'd be one thing if there's gaps, try to identify what caused the lack of emergence. The other thing is with emerged plants, if they're obviously stunted compared to the other plants in the field, or wilting or have it have damage of some sort uh, that would be another reason to dig around and look for insects and see what might be causing the problem so when I'm out I find an area that's damaged what kind of damage am I looking for and what are what are the culprits right now what are the insects that we're looking to scout for okay in terms of plants that have already emerged uh, if they're wilting or or dead after they emerged. It could be a soil insect like a wireworm or white grub that's uh, damaged the plant or killed the plant by feeding below ground. So that's one possibility. In corn also there there is a potential for cutworms to uh, cut the plant at or below the soil surface and uh, some of these cutworms actually drag the the uh, the above ground plant part of the plant down into their tunnel so they and feed on it below ground so there may 
not be a lot of evidence other than maybe you can see where the, the plant was cut at the base, but you may not be able to find the rest of the plant. Uh, so look for those types of damage symptoms. I guess the other thing is some of these insects may cause holes in the plant or distortions in the growth uh, from the feeding below ground. And what are we scouting for? I know you said uh, a couple, you said wireworms and white grubs and cutworms. Uh, what else are we out looking for here in the early season? Oh, potentially there's some other soil insects such as seed corn maggots. Uh, those are the, the big three are wireworms, white grubs, and seed corn maggots in terms of the below ground insects. And then cutworms feed at, at or below the soil surface. It depends a little bit on the environment. If it's uh, moist like it has been recently, they're probably feeding higher up on the plant. If it's dry, some of these will stay below ground where it's moisture and will feed at a lower part of the plant as far as cutworms. And so when we're trying to ID these, what are key features that we're looking for to ID wireworms, uh, white grubs, and cutworms? Okay, well, they're... Uh, three different types of insects, and there's good photos online. We have we have resources in the on the CropWatch.unl website. But wireworms are usually long and slender, often coppery in color. That's why they're called wireworms. They have small legs, but uh, they may not be easy to see. Uh, white grubs are immature beetles. When you dig them up, they they generally are C-shaped typically are sort of white fleshy in appearance with a, a dark head and they have visible legs. And then cutworms are just a soil caterpillar and they can vary in, in coloration. There's quite a few different types of cutworms we can see in Nebraska. So with the white grubs, there are two types, correct? Right, we have two different uh, groups that vary in their life cycle. We have the annual white grubs, which are the most common. They're the types that you also have in your, your home lawn. And uh, we have another type that's less common called the three-year grubs. And they take uh, three summers to complete their development. And particularly in the last summer when they're larger, uh, they can do a fair amount of damage if they're abundant. Typically, the annual white grubs uh, don't cause a lot of damage because they do most of their feeding during the previous summer. The eggs are laid in July and hatch out, and they do most of their feeding the first summer that they they uh, hatch out, and then they come back. They after the, as the temperatures get colder in the in the fall, they move down below the frost line. And then as it warms up, they come back up to the surface and feed again, but they do most of their feeding in the previous year. Uh, so oftentimes it takes a pretty high number of annual white grubs to cause economic loss compared to the three-year white grubs, which are bigger and uh, they feed longer period of time in their last summer. All right. So I'm out scouting and I actually find uh, these pests what are my options uh, for rescue treatments to start with? Or is there a chance to use a rescue treatment? Yeah, that, there's the uh, cutoff point or the, the, uh, the difference is that the wireworms and white grubs spend all their time 
below ground and there's no good rescue treatment or post-plant treatment to control them. If you have a history of problems, or particularly if you're planting early, oftentimes growers will use an insecticidal seed treatment, and this can suppress some of these soil insects. But again, if we have high numbers, we still may see damage even with uh, an insecticidal seed treatment or a planting time insecticide. So the decision, if you have, have stand loss or, or uh, plant injury from white grubs or wireworms, the only decision once the plant is, uh, is crop is planted is whether or not to, re to replant. Is the stand gonna be adequate or is, is it uh, at a point where you probably wanna replant? Um, but it is important when we do see this damage to identify these pests, right, for future planting. Right, that's the other thing. And then the other point I didn't make about wireworms is that most of them have a multi-year life cycle. So if you have a high number of wireworms in a field this year and you have a mix of different sizes, they're gonna be around next year too. So you can be aware of that. And maybe if you didn't use a, a seed treatment or a soil, soil insecticide at planting in that field, you're likely to have wireworms again if you plant back to corn or other susceptible crops. Uh, again, with the, the white grubs, if you know it's the, the uh, three-year white grub, those are gonna be around for more than one summer or spring. Uh, so that would be something to be aware of for next year. And we didn't talk about cutworms, but uh, they, are something that uh, you can use a post post emergence insecticide to control them if they're at economic levels uh, and so that's something that is something you can respond to if you uh, get to it that's a reason to scout as the crop emerges before they have time to do a lot of the damage if they're present so you were talking about cutworms. Uh, what are we looking for cutworms? What are the different types of cutworms and how do we treat these different types? Well, the thing that seems to get all the publicity in the trade magazines is the black cutworm. This insect does not overwinter in the Midwest, but the moths fly up each spring. And uh, typically in Nebraska, black cutworms are only a problem in the, maybe the eastern third of the state or the eastern quarter of the state. They're most common. And then they're, they're more common in, in the I states, uh, the central Midwest. And uh, the issue with them, the moths fly up and lay eggs in the spring. And if the, the uh, conditions or features of a field are right, particularly if there's a lot of winter annual weeds or even heavy crop residue, this can be attractive to the moths to lay eggs. And the caterpillars hatch out before or just as corn is emerging. And you can have a very high population if there are high numbers of moths in an area. And uh, again, if you're not scouting, you may not, you may not see the early signs of damage. The black cutworm uh, initially feeds just on the leaf and causes some, some holes in the leaves. And then as the caterpillars get about half grown, they start feeding at the base of the plant. On small plants, they can cut straight through the plant and cut it off at the ground level. And depending on the stage of the plant, they may cut it off below the growing point and kill it. The other issue in Nebraska, we have half a dozen other types of cutworms 
that uh, can, can damage corn and soybeans. And these all overwinter as partly grown caterpillars. So as, as the crops emerge, they're going to be bigger sized than the black cutworms are, which just hatch out in the spring. And so they, they potentially can be a lot more damaging than black cutworm. Typically, they're not as abundant. But individual fields can have problems with these other cutworms, too. The other issue with the different types of cutworms is that uh, there are some BT corns that have activity against black cutworm and have that on their label. And I think there's one other species of cutworm that's listed on the label of some of the, the BT corns. But there are, there are other types of cutworms. Either the companies don't have enough data to put it on the label or the fact that they're big caterpillars, even if they're affected by BT corn, if they, take, they have to take a bite or two to ingest the BT toxin and, and be affected, and they can kill a plant with a bite or two on small plants. So that uh, even some of the BT corns with these caterpillars that overwinter in Nebraska, they're going to be bigger in the spring and they're harder to control because of that. That's good information. A lot of good reasons have been presented to do some early season crop scouting, uh, especially as you said, it's very important to get out there to see what you have, uh, to know what your field history is so that way you can plan uh, what treatments to use. Um, on that note, um, if you have one of the bigger caterpillar varieties of the cutworms, what are your options with that? Well, in, typically they're more of a problem in corn than soybeans, but we have a rough guideline or a threshold in corn if 5% of the plants are injured or cut off the ground level by cutworms and uh, the cutworms are less than an inch long and still going to be doing some feeding, uh, that would be a treatment level. So the, the issue, if, if the cutworms are all pretty large, over an inch and a half long, they've probably done most of their feeding by now. And by the time you get a treatment on, they're probably going to be done, done feeding for the season. So the size of the cutworm is another thing to look for as well. As I am, I'm thinking about it, you did say that there are some resources. There are articles on CropWatch that have a lot of uh, good pictures to help identify these pests. Uh, when looking to actually treat the pests, there is the Guide for Weed Disease and Insect Management uh, that's published by the university. Are there any other uh, resources that are really helpful? <clears throat> no, and there's a, a wide range of, in, of effective insecticides can be applied to, for cutworm control if we have economic populations. Well, thank you for your time. Uh, you have a good growing season. You too.